Amen. All right. Well, good morning. We are in 2 Timothy chapter 2, if you want to turn there. If you need a Bible, uh, raise your hand, and one of the ushers will get you one. Anybody need a Bible? Everybody brought their sword? I like it. All right. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And just so you know, uh, all the messages, even Pastor David on Wednesdays, is available on podcast through our website and is live on a video streaming on our website too, so you don't have to miss any messages. Second Timothy chapter 2. Say amen if you're there. All right, let's get busy. We're going to look at verses 1 through 10 this morning. There's a lot there. As Paul writes his final letter, his final epistle to us, to Timothy, his beloved son in the faith, and he's encouraging them because they're in tough times. The church is under persecution. Christians are being killed for the name of Jesus. They're being thrown in jail. Paul was in a Mamertine jail awaiting execution to be beheaded. And the amazing thing about this letter is that you don't really hear Paul saying, Woe's me. Uh, I can't believe what I'm going through. Uh, I can't believe I've served God faithfully all these years, and this is how I get treated. Uh, no, he recognizes that serving God is stepping into a war. And you and I are the army of the Lord. We are the sons and daughters of the Most High. We are the kids of the King. And to serve Him and to live for Jesus Christ, you will suffer persecution. You will have tribulation. God made it very clear. That's why I always wonder when Christians are surprised when they step up their game, they get involved in church, they're like, I've just been under attack all week. Well, what would you expect? When someone tells me they don't believe in the devil, I just tell them, well, try opposing him. You'll meet him real quick. And whenever we decide to go forward for Jesus, the reason the attacks come in is because if the enemy can get you to change your mind, to stop serving to stop doing missions, to stop doing this or that for Jesus, then he's accomplished his task. The great thing that you can do to gauge yourself to see how your walk with Christ is, is if you're under attack constantly for doing the things of God, you're going in the right direction. Now that doesn't sound super fun, does it? I mean, when you look at the Apostle Paul, <clears throat> and you look what he went through, how many times he was beat, how many times he was whipped, how many times he was shipwrecked, how many times he was in the perils of this, and the perils of that, and how many times he was in prison. You definitely wouldn't probably want to sign up and go on a mission trip with Paul. Paul, what's your mission trip like? Well, well, as soon as we get to town, we check out the prisons because that's where we'll end up. Um, we're probably going to be beat for our faith, but the gospel is going to go out and people are going to get saved. You're like, no, I'm just going to go on that Philippines trip with the kids. Jesus didn't promise us smooth sailing here. He promised us smooth sailing in heaven. And so we're just pilgrims passing through. And so as we pass through, let's give our all to the Lord who's done all for us. Let's serve the King of Kings. Let's be faithful about the Father's business. Let's run our race. Let's fight the good fight. Let's finish and finish well. 
And here, he likens our ministry unto being a soldier, unto being an athlete, unto being a uh, farmer. And I, I like the way he encourages us and just kind of brings into reality the things that you and I face as children of God. And so in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, Paul says this. He says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. The same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if any man also strive for the masteries to be an athlete, yet, is not, yet he is not crowned except he strive lawfully. That means keeping the rules. The husbandman, the farmer that laboreth, must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus, with eternal glory. Father, we thank You for this portion of Scripture that will encourage us, Lord, to get in the race, to fight the good fight, to sow the seeds, to be faithful, to endure. Lord, I pray that You would prepare the hearts right now to receive Your Word, that You would stir up the Word of God in every man and woman here today that you would be high and lifted up and glorified. We ask this in Jesus' precious and holy name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I entitled the message, Guidelines to Success. The things we just read are some of the guidelines to success. Every one of us wants to put a smile on the Lord's face. Amen. Every one of us wants to hear Him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. We all want to finish our race. We want to be like Paul that could say, and this is amazing to me, that no man's blood is on his hands. And what that means is that Paul, the apostle, this great apostle, servant of Christ, bondservant, told everybody he came encounter with the gospel. And to be able to say, no man's blood is on my hands, that's, that's a pretty big statement i would like to say that but unfortunately there's a lot of people that slip by me that i don't get that opportunity or i just don't pursue that opportunity and god wants us to share the gospel if you love jesus and you're crazy about jesus you're going to talk about jesus whatever you're into is what you talk about what's going on today you know well this happened to me and that how about jesus how about how about getting the word out? How about showing just the excitement and the joy it is to serve the King of Kings and to let people know that they can have what you have? And so I love the things that he tells us here in this portion of Scripture. He's telling us in verse 1, Therefore, my son, be strong 
in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Paul, sitting in a prison, awaiting execution, is encouraging Timothy, his spiritual son in the faith. I think that's amazing. I think that, to me, blows my mind because Paul is focused on others and not himself. You want to be successful in ministry? Think about everybody else but you. Be other-centered and not self-centered. And that's Paul. Paul's realizing, you know what? And he's not bummed out. Because he's looking at like, you know, it won't be long that they're going to take my life, but I'm going to be in glory, which was far better. And so he's, he's not bummed. He's, not, he's, he's ran his race. He's finished well. He's ready to give his life for the Lord Jesus Christ. But before he goes, he wants to encourage people. And that should be our heart. Everywhere we go, before we leave someone, we want to encourage them in the Lord. We want to lay hands on them. We want to pray for them. We want to share the gospel with somebody that doesn't know Jesus and just tell them how much Jesus loves them. Be strong in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That, that means stay away from legalisms. This is what he's telling because legalism had crept into the church. Timothy was a little timid to address it. There were men that were coming in, these, these guys like... Uh, 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 Phygelus and Hermogenes were creeping in and they were teaching false doctrine and they were going against, you know, and you know churches like that who, who put rules and regulations. Oh, you're only truly saved if you do this. You're only truly saved if you do that. And they put legalisms on people, how they act, how they worship, what version of the Bible they got, if they're Pentecostal, not Pentecostal, you know, all these trips on people to where we're saved by faith and by faith alone. Walk by faith. <laughs> Don't let anybody tell you that you're saved by faith in Jesus Christ and anything. You're saved by faith in Jesus Christ doing this or doing that. You're saved by Jesus Christ and water baptism. No, water baptism doesn't save you. It's saved by faith in Jesus Christ, period. Don't let anybody put trips on you. Don't tell them they've got to keep the rules of your church. Don't say they have, you know, they have to be a member of this church. You know, I had people come here a while back, and they said, we really like your church, and how do we become members? And I said, um, are you born again? They go, yeah. I go, you love Jesus? Well, you're a member. We don't, we don't do that, you know, sign a thing, jump through the hoops, and, and, and I'm not trying to offend you if you're a part of a church that, that's like that. Uh, I'm just saying, listen, if, if you're trusting in the same Jesus I'm trusting in, we're family. We're, we're members of the holy family. And so he tells us, he warns us, he commands us, actually, to be strong. Well, how do I be strong? Well, turn left, go to Ephesians Chapter 6, and we'll show you how you can be strong. Ephesians chapter 6, just to the left. Verse 10, Paul the Apostle's letters to Ephesus, which is interesting because Timothy was the overseer of the church in Ephesus. And Paul would warn the Ephesians, and he says there in verse 10 of chapter 6, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong 
in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. How many of you woke up this morning and said, Lord, armor me up? If you didn't, it's probably why you're not having the greatest morning. We are in a war, we come under attack, and we need our armor. We put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So when you have a problem, let's say a disagreement with someone, a friend, a family member, your spouse, realize you're not wrestling against flesh and blood. The enemy has come in and duped you. The enemy has been watching you all of your life. The enemy knows exactly what buttons to push in your life to get you to react. And isn't it funny how we take the bait almost every time? And if you're married, how many times do you have little arguments or big arguments? And knowing this scripture, we still fall for it. I'm not wrestling against my wife. She's not wrestling against me. We've got demonic activity trying to push each of our buttons to get us to blow up at each other and make a mess of things. And if you could just stop that argument and say, you know what, this isn't going well. Let's just, let's just take hands and, and, and pray. Because why? Because you're under fire. You're being attacked. So he says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand, for, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. Stand in the truth of God. Stand up for truth. Share the truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So important. The breastplate that covers what? Your heart. When we look at this armor this morning, you're going to see the armor is on every part of the body, except there's no armor for the back. Why is that? Jesus has got your back. Jesus has got your back, but if you turn your back on Jesus, you expose your back to the enemy, here comes the fiery darts. Hello? And that breastplate of righteousness covers the heart, which shows us that we need to protect the things that go into our heart. Because, you know, you're not saved by knowledge, right? A lot of people understand who Jesus is. A lot of people believe who Jesus is, but it's what comes out of the heart. True faith, according to the Word of God, says, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy mind, nope, doesn't say that, believe in thy heart. It's not what goes into a man that defiles him, it's what comes out. And the heart is the truth in each individual. We need to protect what we let into our heart. having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Listen, uh, guys, the only reason we're here right now 
is we're waiting for Jesus. And our job is to get the gospel out. And wherever God's placed you, whatever business, whatever career, whatever gifts that you have, it's to reach those people in those areas with the gospel. That's what we're here for. We're pilgrims passing through. We're not part of this world. We're out of here soon. Hello? Now, some of you, you young people, you don't get it. But us older people who are 60 and more, my life's been a snap. Inside, I still feel 16. But outside, I'm a wreck. And my life has gone by so fast. And I've watched my kids grow up and have kids. And now their kids are going to college. It's like, what? Where'd the time go? And so we're we're here for a moment for one purpose, to reduce the population of hell. Can God use you? All you got to do is be available. He says, above all, taking on the shield of faith. Have your shield out. Protect yourself from the fiery darts of the enemy. Taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation. Guard your head. Put that helmet on. Guard what goes into your mind. Now, you you can't stop temptation. The enemy will tempt you. Stuff pops into your head. You're like, wow, what's that? How'd that pop into my head? I'm a Christian. That's why the Bible says take your thoughts captive. Grab a hold of that thought and cast it. Say, Lord, I don't know how that popped into my head, but get rid of it. Put on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In the armor, there's only one offensive weapon, and that's the sword. You better learn how to use your sword. If you don't know how to use your sword, you're going to walk into a battle. You're going to get all cut up real quick. But when somebody comes to you with phony doctrine, legalism, you don't know the word, how are you going to defend yourself? You've got to be ready to have an answer for every man. And when the wrong thing is spoken, you have a red flag and you go, hey, whoa, 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 that's not in the Bible. And they'll say, oh, sure it is. You'll say, show me. And they won't be able to because it's not in the Bible. But the only way you're going to know is to know the Bible. You need to read your Bible. If this <coughs> is the only day that you open a Bible, I love you, but shame on you. You need your daily bread. Just like the, the Jews in the desert, they needed manna every day. You need your manna. You need to know how to use your, your sword, the Word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to the end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And then Paul says, And as for me, that utterance would be given to me, that I may open my mouth more boldly. Paul praying for boldness. Are you kidding me? To make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. He's in jail. That in it I might speak boldly as I ought to speak. That's good encouragement right there. I pray you guys uh, pray that prayer and get that armor on each and every day. And then he says in verse 2, And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So, 
2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, Paul encourages Timothy to commit the truths of God, these faithful things that Timothy was taught, to commit it to faithful men. Faithful men. I like that. God wants to use you. We're pouring into our youth at this church because we know they're in the next generation. We're committing the things that God has shown me to them through our staff, our pastors, our leaders. I have my eye open. I'm watching you. Isn't that great? I'm watching you. I'm looking for the faithful. Do you get that? God's looking for the faithful, not the brilliant not the most talented, not the most gifted, but the faithful. You can be brilliant, you can be talented, you can be gifted, and not faithful. All God's looking for is a man or a woman that's faithful. Are you faithful? It's so important. I'm always looking for faithful people. I'm looking for people who I take notice when somebody just shows up in the morning and starts helping and we didn't even ask them. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's awesome. And they're just there to serve because they just want to serve and they've got no agenda. And if you, if you ask them to be somewhere or do something, they're there, they're on time. They complete the mission that you asked them to do. They get it done. You don't have to ask twice. I'm looking for that. Why? Because, listen, you're not serving Calvary Chapel. You're not serving Pastor Steve. You're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't we want to give him our best? When you serve in this church, here's what happens sometimes. Sometimes people get a little discouraged. And I get it. You feel like you're the only one serving. You feel like uh, nobody recognizes what you're doing. There's no pat on the back. There's no attaboys. And what can happen is you can get this anger welling up inside of you if you don't get a hold of your heart. And sometimes over the years, I've had men and women come to me and say, you know, nobody cares. Nobody appreciates me. I'm stuck doing this ministry all by myself. How come nobody helps? And I'll say, why are you doing it? And they say, I'm doing it for Jesus. And I said, well, then talk to Jesus. Don't talk to me. Who are you doing it for? Who are you serving? We are to pour in to the next generation so that they, then they commit these things to faithful men that are able to teach also. In verse 3, he says, You therefore must be able to teach others also. He says, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him, who's him, that he may please Jesus Christ, who's enlisted him as a soldier. So God's put you in the war. God's made you a soldier. And now he's saying to these guys, you got to endure hardship. Every one of you is going to go through something. Many of you are going through stuff right now. Endure. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Recognize that you're in a battle. 
You're a soldier. You know, one of the things that uh, soldiers do, what commanders do to their troops, uh, to Navy SEALs, to Special Ops, to Delta Force, before they go into a major battle, they say, hey, make sure you get your affairs in order. Why do they do that? Because if you have a problem with your spouse, or you have a problem with your kids, or you got a problem with this or that, they want you to settle that issue before you go into war so you're not distracted. And how many of us is God warning right now that the reason I, I'm not being able to use you to the fullest is because you're distracted by so many things? Because look what he says there. He says, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. What does that mean? You say, Steve, we've got to deal with life. I get that. But our focus is not on the horizontal. Our focus is on the vertical. We keep our eyes on Jesus. Yes, we live in this world. Yes, we want to be smart and aware of what's going on. But you don't want to be entangled with it. My heart breaks when I see Christians that are just so stuck on news and conspiracy theories and our government's doing this and our government's doing that. Everything's going to hell in a handbasket. The inflation, the border. Ah, what'd you expect? It's a fallen world. I don't care if you're a Republican, Democrat, or Independent. They're all corrupt. Hello? Oh, I just got silent in here. Listen, the only one we can count on that's not corrupt is Jesus. The problem with Peter when he got out of the boat, he's walking on water, he's doing fine. Why? Had his eyes on Jesus. Why did he sink? He took his eyes off of Jesus and put it on the world. Now, guys, I understand knowing the news. I, I'm a news guy. But I'm not trusting in politics. I'm not trusting in nations. I'm not trusting in the economy. I'm trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've got to keep my eyes on Him. I've got to be a soldier, not to be entangled with the things of this life. You know, in Matthew 13, Jesus warned Christians who, because of the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, the words choked out in them. There's no fruit. And there's a lot of Christians that don't have any fruit. Why? Because, listen to me, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying this in love, because we've all been there. We get caught up in our job, in our career, and we don't have time for Jesus. We get caught up in our sports and our activities, and we don't have time for Jesus. We get caught up in the cares of the world and money, but there's no fruit in our lives. We've gotten our priorities all wrong. And so he warns us against that. And then in verse 5, he talks to us like we're athletes. Verse 5, he says, And also, if anyone competes in athletics, the masteries, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. How many of you have ever competed in something? There's rules, right? You got to abide by the rules. 
whether you're at a track meet, a boxing match, a martial arts event, surf contest, tennis, golf, whatever it is, there's rules. And you don't get the reward unless you keep the rules. So if you're watching the Olympics in the track and, and they're doing the mile run, and that's four laps around the track, on the fourth lap you see this guy falling way behind, but right as they're rounding to the finish line, he cuts across the infield and runs across the finish line and goes, I did it! And he's immediately disqualified. Why? He didn't keep the rules. You mean Christians can be like that? Yeah. Well, what's the rules? Right here. The Bible. B-I-B-L-E. Basic instruction before leaving earth. These are the rules. Well, I don't know the whole Bible. Then you don't know the whole rules. That means you're not following the rules probably. Hello, you want a successful walk? Guidelines to success? Read your Bible. Know the rules. Play by the rules. Too many people say they love Jesus, but they're not playing by the rules. And one of the problems with the church at large today is that they're not pounding away at the truths of God because they want, they want numbers. You know, we don't want to talk about sin. We don't want to talk about adultery, fornication. We don't want to talk about this or that. We don't want to talk about homosexuality. We don't want to talk about these things because that offends people. Oh, well. That's what's so great about reading through the Bible. That you know I'm coming to that, and if you don't like where I'm coming, you can read it and not show up next week. But I'm still going to teach it. It doesn't make me popular, but I'm not here to be popular. I'm here to give you the truth. So God says, listen, if you're going to be a Christian, play by the rules. Not, well, yeah, I know I deal drugs, but you know what? I give 10% to God. <laughs> yeah, I know I'm sleeping with my girlfriend, but we go to church. He says, no, you're not playing by the rules. We need to play by the rules. We need to compete properly. We need to run our race. Unfortunately, the only exercise that some Christians get is jumping to conclusions, running down their friends, sidestepping responsibility, and pushing their luck. Run your race. Hello. If you're doing something and you have a question, is this wrong? Come ask one of us. Read your Bible. And if you're here today and you're saying, listen, I... I never win any race. And you might be here today, and you've competed a number of times, and you, you've never won. And you're always last place, and you're always last to be picked on the team. You're not last in God's team. Let me tell you something. Here, here, I want you to remember this. Remember this. You're running a race, but here's the key. You're not competing against anybody but you. What's that mean? I'm coming in first. You're running your own race that God gave you. He gave me a different race. He gave you a different race. You all have a different race. You're not competing against anybody. You're competing against you. It's a win-win. Hello. Let the Holy Spirit have his way in you. And in verse 6, he says this. The farmer, the hardworking farmer, must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things things. And so now he talks about us being farmers. 
um, that means that when we share the gospel, we're sowing seed. The seed is the word of God. The soil is the world. And you and I are called to sow seeds. Now, we know that by sowing seeds, um, we have to be patient, don't we? I mean, it's an awesome thing when you, when you share the gospel with somebody and, and that person receives Jesus right there. You go, yes, but they don't always do, do they? And let me just also say this, that many times when you share the gospel with somebody and they get saved, it's because somebody already shared with them before. See, we plant the seeds. That's our job. God gets the harvest. That's not my job. God gets the harvest. My victory, sharing the gospel, not the results. Just getting it out there. Putting out the seed, watering it. We keep watering. You might come along to a person that I planted a seed. I watered, 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 watered. You come, you see the harvest. Praise the Lord. We were all part of that. But it doesn't always happen right away, does it? When, when a farmer plants a seed, he doesn't get a crop the next day, does he? I say that because in the Bible it talks about sowing and reaping. Right? You sow to the Spirit, you reap in abundance. You sow to the flesh, you reap a whirlwind. What does that mean? <clears throat> that means whatever you sow to, a harvest is coming, but it's not coming right away. Right? I mean, a farmer puts a seed in the ground one day, he doesn't come out the next day, look at the ground, don't see any sprouts, and go, Pfft. All that work yesterday, nothing. Because he knows he's got to be patient. He's got to wait on the Lord. Germination's got to take place. That sprout's got to come. Then it's got to grow. It's got to develop. It's got to mature. And then the harvest comes down the road. And so I'm always encouraging Christians, listen, turn away from sin, turn towards the, G towards the Lord Jesus Christ. When you sin, Sometimes people, they sin, and they say, why am I going through so much stuff? I asked for forgiveness. God forgave me, but my whole life is upside down. That's because when you sow a seed, you don't get a seed. You get a whole crop. So when you sow to the flesh just one thing that's not of God, you reap a whirlwind. And though He forgives you, there's still consequences, right? Broken families, broken relationships, this or whatever. And then when people get right with God and they're on fire for Jesus and they're doing all the right things, they start saying, you know, I'm still going through all kinds of stuff. I go, that's because the harvest doesn't come right away. Be patient. It's coming. And he's going to pour out a blessing that you won't have room to receive, but you got to be patient. And some of you have been hanging in there. Listen, that blessing's right around the corner. Let me read you this. Mark 4, 26. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night, rise by day, that the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And who reaps of the, the blessings first? The, the farmer. God's going to bless you first in the matter. Jesus said in Luke 10 too, he said, The harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray that the Lord of the harvest 
will send out laborers into his harvest. God's trying to get you in the game. Man, I'll tell you what, I, you know, I know that you guys got busy schedules and, and sometimes it's like, you know, when I find time, I'll get involved in ministry. You're not going to find any time. You can't, you, there's no way to find more time in the day. You've got to make time. But here's the thing. I, I know it seems like it could be a lot to serve God, but once you do it, you realize, what was I thinking? This is so cool. What a blessing. It's just that the enemy is trying to blind you and say, listen, you don't got time to serve in the church. Somebody else will do it. No, you're the somebody else. And God wants to use you. The harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray that the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. And check out this. Psalm 126.5 said, Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Is that beautiful? Have you ever done ministry or prayed for somebody to the point of tears? And then God brings the breakthrough and you're just so joyful. Ministry can bring you to tears, but being faithful, you shall reap the joy. Don't miss out on serving God. Hosea 10 verse 12 says this, Sow for yourself righteousness, reap in mercy. I like that. Sow in righteousness, and then the mercy God showed you, you will reap in mercy towards others. Break up the fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Every person needs to tear up that hard ground. Break it up so that God, that God can work in it. I love the way it says that. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Hosea 2.23, Then I will sow her for myself. This is uh, the Lord speaking to Israel, sowing into her, but it can still be applied in our lives. Then I will sow her for myself in the earth, and I will have mercy on her who had not obtained mercy. Then I will say to those who are not my people, you're my people. Then, I'll, they, then they shall say, you are our God. That's why we do this. So people who haven't obtained mercy will obtain mercy. People that didn't know the truth would know the truth. People who said, I'm not his, are now saying, I am his. And he's saying, you're mine. I'll tell you what, that is, I don't, I don't know. That's the, that's the best thing in the world to see people getting saved. And then in verse 7, he tells us to study, to gain understanding in all things. That's why we study, Right? I don't know. I don't know about you. Have you ever read a part of the Bible and you're like, woo, right over my head? If, if it's true, it was probably Jeremiah, Ezekiel, or Isaiah. Just, but I knew I had to read it because the word will not come back void, so maybe it's just not my time. But then you have those times when you read that scripture and all of a sudden, bing, the light goes on. Right? You ever have those moments? And you just go, what? I never saw that before. Are you kidding me? I always pray before I read, I say, Lord, open my eyes. Open my eyes to what I'm reading. Pour out your spirit on me. I want to see what you see. Take me deeper in the word of God. And in verse 8, he says, Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer in trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. The word of God is not bound. Interesting there, you know, because 
In the Greek, the verse 8, there's no that after remember at the beginning of the verse. In the English translation, it says, remember that Jesus Christ. But in the original, it just says, remember Jesus Christ. I think that I like that better. What are you going through? Remember Jesus Christ. Well, what's happening over here? Just remember Jesus Christ. Well, what do we do about that? Remember Jesus Christ. Well, I don't know how to do this. We'll remember Jesus Christ. Didn't he give us an example of everything he told us to do? There, there wasn't one thing that Jesus told us to do that he didn't do by example. So how do I do that? Remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ of the seed of David, from the line of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel, Paul says, in the same gospel that you use, for which I suffer. So Paul is saying, listen, he is suffering, he's in prison because he, 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 he gave the gospel, he was faithful. He suffers trouble as an evildoer, even at the point of change, but the word of God cannot be chained. Isn't that good news? Listen, they can take away your church, they can take away your Bible, but they can't take Jesus away. They can't take away your relationship. They can take away this church. They can throw me in prison. They can take my Bible away, but they can't take away my relationship. They will never be able to. The Word of God is not chained. You throw me in a jail, man, those inmates that are in that cell with me are going to want to get out or get saved. Because you've got to seize that opportunity. And Paul never whined about being in prison. You remember when the first time he got arrested in Rome that he was chained to a, a Praetorian guard and that chained every, uh, changed every four hours. A new guy would be chained to him. Can you imagine being chained to Paul for four hours? Captive audience. You ain't going nowhere. And how much of those guys just despise it in the beginning, but as they started to get saved, they're like, hey man, can I take your shift? I want like eight hours of Paul today. Man, he wasn't ashamed of the gospel. And he realized that even when he suffered for the name of Jesus, even to the point of prison, that even in prison he could still do God's work because the word of God is not chained. The good news. The good news. Verse 10. Therefore I endure in all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. That's why we do this, guys. That's why we do this. We see people get saved. The greatest miracle that you will ever experience is seeing someone give their life to the Lord. It's not healing. It's not raising the dead. It's not casting the cancer out or delivering someone from a demon. That's all great stuff and everything, but that doesn't save you. The greatest miracle is eternal life. The greatest miracle is when you share with someone and their heart is so softened that they ask for forgiveness of their sins and ask Jesus into your life. The greatest miracle of all is eternal life. So let me close with this. He told us to be strong. Be strong in the grace of God, not in legalism. He told us to be faithful. Faithful. To endure warfare. Not to be entangled with the cares of this world. To continually keep the rules as we run our race. To sow seed, but wait patiently. The harvest is coming. And by all means, remember why you do it. Remember Jesus. Amen? Let's all stand and pray.
Father, we thank you for this just precious portion of Scripture. And Lord, thank you that you reminded us today that we're not competing against anybody but ourselves. We're a sure win. But Lord, we want to win in such a way where we hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. And so, Lord, I pray for strength for everyone here this morning. Lord, Holy Spirit, come on them afresh right now and power them with the power and the promise of the Father. And Lord, as we step out these doors and go into this warfare, that you would give us divine appointments and the wisdom and the right heart to share the gospel with someone that doesn't know you and witness you get the harvest. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, I don't want you to leave without having that opportunity. And so maybe you've been coming to church for a while, maybe you grew up in the church, but there comes a point in every man and woman's life that they have to make the decision on their own. Church doesn't save you. Calvary Chapel doesn't save you. I don't save you. Jesus Christ saves you. And he wants a personal relationship with you. So if that's you, will you pray this in your heart right now? Say, Jesus, I believe you died for me on the cross. I believe you died for my sins. Forgive me of my sins. I believe you rose on the third day and that you're the way, the truth, and the life. And that no man comes to the Father except through you. Jesus, I'm praying right now that you'd save me. Save me now. If you just prayed that in your heart, you're a child of God. That is awesome. You are his kid. Now go out and move in the power of the Holy Spirit, not your power. And so as we partake in communion today, take a moment to just talk to the Lord before you come forward. We're all going to move up here. We're going to squeeze in close because we're family. We're going to rub shoulders. You're going to get to know each other. And, and we're going to partake of communion together. If Pastor David could come up and, uh, and let me just finish uh, in a prayer of strength for you. Father, I pray you just empower every person here, Lord. Help us to get the things we need to get right in our lives cleaned up and help us to get stronger in the things that we are doing right. And we just want you to pour out your spirit on us. Bless these folks here. And Lord, just minister to them as communion is a time of healing. And so we just ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.